0: Hello there and welcome to Gooner You. My name is Dove, and my friend Keith is here to bring me up to speed on everything I don't know about soccer and Arsenal. This week featured Carabao Cup round three, the final one for Arsenal, versus Brighton, and Premier League match number fourteen at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Hello, Keith. Dove, I I know this is this podcast is about
1: telling you things you don't really know, and I just want to make sure that you're clear on this important point. We're top of the league. (laughs) Yes, I am very clear.
0: We will be top of the league through Christmas. This is awesome. Yeah, we are five points clear. Uh, it's a good place to be in, definitely. What unbelievable. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I'm, I'm in a good mood after uh, I just finished watching uh, yesterday's match versus, uh, well, I guess at at Wolverhampton. Um, but, yeah, no, it was a good week for Arsenal, all things considered. Uh, if uh, if we may begin with a little bit of follow up um listening to last week's episode i was wondering why is it so surprising that martinelli would be on the national team was it just because there are so many good players from brazil that for anyone to be picked is generally surprising because the chances are low or is there anything about him in particular um,
1: so th- there is a couple ways to sort of read the tea leaves, so to speak, on on who will get picked for the national team. A lot of it uh, comes down to sort of past preference. Uh, managers of national teams don't get a lot of time with their team and their players. They come in for a couple of days to train, they play a couple games, and then they go back to their clubs. So, right, you really have to have players that you are comfortable with, that you are confident that you know that they know you and they know the system, that you trust them. And and this is especially true as you go further down the, the uh, sort of the the skill rankings. I mean, for a team like Brazil, yeah, you're also dealing with just so many good players. Uh, Martinelli comes in with th- having played three times for the national team. Uh, they're they're called caps. Okay. You'll hear this term. A uh, player has so many caps that just means appearances hmm. for the national team. He has three of them. Now he's not the fewest on the on the roster that was called up uh for the World Cup. But he's he's a fairly young guy at 21. You know, he's really only yeah. recently broken into uh the, the national team. He got called up uh, earlier this year in the in the summer, I think it was, but he was not called up in the most recent window in in September. And it, it, there was a sense, at least around Brazil in particular, because none of Arsenal's Brazilians were called up and there was this sense of, you know, trying to you're trying to guess who's being called up and why, and, and you know, is the, is the manager, is this for players who are kind of on the on the edge and he's he wants to test a few guys and see how they fit? Is it for guys that um, he, he, he is, he, would he use it maybe as a camp to bring in guys he, he really knows and make sure they get another round with each other? Uh, it, 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 and, of course, the manager will never really tell you what he's thinking. They'll say things, but you never really know. And you know he wasn't called up, and and in that sense, you know Gabriel Jesus has, has fifty six caps for Brazil. He's played for them in a number of tournaments. He was a, a clear pick to go, so he wasn't called up. It's Gabriel Jesus. He's going to get called up, and he was. For mm-hmm. Martinelli, it's been so few times, and and there are good players. I you know one of the ones Brazil didn't call up was a a guy named Roberto Firmino who plays plays for Liverpool. He's got 55 caps, uh, you know, a really, really good player. He was there in September and did not get picked uh, this time, you know, for the World Cup. So, mm-hmm. you know, in a sense, uh, Martinelli was a surprise. He's still he's still sort of a bit of a surprise player. Now, the other bit of it is, a manager looks at him and, and especially in Brazil, you can look at this and say he's in good form. He's been playing really well for for, for a team that's in first place in the Premier League. You know, well, right, and yeah. and the manager. You know, if you're the national team manager, you have you have watched tons of of tape on all of these guys. You've seen all of their games. You have plenty of time to watch that stuff. So, if you've seen how Martin Martinelli plays. He's talked to him about the role he would fit on the national team. So, you know, I mean, sure. it's 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 a great moment for him, and and it was a it was a bit of a surprise given how he hadn't been called up. But uh, I mean, I think it's a deserved one. Certainly, he's been he's been excellent this season, and you know, what yeah. we talked about this last time. What a what a privilege it is for a Brazilian to play for to play for that team.
0: Sure. All right, cool. And uh, I forgot last week. I meant to ask last week and it turns out that it's still relevant this week. Uh, what were the symbols that they were wearing, the little like patches on their chests? Uh, mm-hmm. It was a kind of red blobby eight with a black spot in the middle hmm. So I, I don't know if you would have cut this because I watched a, I actually did
1: watch a little bit of the, the Wolves game. I actually missed the first half hour. So I rewatched that a little bit earlier today and they had this in the beginning. So uh, that's tied to uh, Armistice Day, uh, which is November 11th okay. like in the U.S. It's Veterans Day. But obviously in Europe, it, it commemorates uh, the, the end of World War One. And so those are right. Poppies. OK, those are poppies that, that red the red with the the black dot is a, is a poppy flower and okay see that... and
0: Arsenal doing it in two consecutive games is because they celebrate for a week and the week begins on Sunday and ends on Saturday so I came in at the opening and tail end of it is that was no
1: on? It, what it is is typically what you'll see around armistice day and this is typical for most weeks but what you'll see at armistice day is or in any any two consecutive weekends obviously half the teams are at home the other half are away. The idea is that every stadium has the opportunity to hold one of these remembrances. So uh, last ah, week okay. was Arsenal's home game. They have their ceremony this week. You know, Wolves was at home and, and they were having a they would have a ceremony. Uh, I suspect, yeah, I wonder if there might be, a, I wonder if there might be a team that had two consecutive home games and maybe they would have only done it this weekend as opposed to the previous week. But I think it was meant to be both weekends to, to give every, every club the opportunity to do something in their stadium, sure. and none of the ceremonies aren't that different. It's it's a it's a commemorative day or commemorative ceremony. They play, I, I forget what they played. It wasn't taps, but um, you know, they had members of the military. They had uh, a bugler playing. They laid wreaths of poppies. Yeah, um, you know, very sort of solemn and solemn kind of ceremony, befitting what what the what Armistice Day in the First World War means to to England in particular, but also to Europe uh, writ large. Yeah. Actually, All you right. will see it. It's interesting because I, I watch a, 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 some hockey as well. And you'll notice uh, uh, Canadian teams, Canadian hockey teams doing the same thing because, of course, Canada's is a, ah. a member of the British Commonwealth. And so their experience
0: in the war is yes. tied to Britain
1: as opposed to the U.S., which is obviously a totally different thing.
0: Sure. Yeah, cool. Good to know. So moving on to this week's matches, we have the league cup, AKA Carabao cup. It was our first play in the cup competition. It was the third round. It was oddly not viewable through any means that you or I could find earlier in this week. We talked about it leading up to it. Uh, I was not too disappointed to not have been able to watch it when I found out that Arsenal lost (laughs) one to three and is now eliminated. But, uh, Tell tell me a little bit about this match. What um, what happened from what you were able to tell?
1: So so first off, uh, not only were you and I or anyone in the U.S. not able to watch it, you were not going to find any streams, even of the most questionable quality, because nobody could watch this match except for the people in the state.
0: It was not televised hmm. anywhere. Um, hmm. That seems like a missed opportunity for for several parties. <laughs> yes, I, the short answer is I really don't know why that is or was. Um,
1: yeah, I don't know. Uh, that I okay. mean, you know, television is not as. Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes it sound like England is some like 1970s backwater. I mean, television is just not as widespread <laughs> in in England or in many European countries as it is in in the United States, obviously and so as a hmm. result you know they there are there are all sorts. Of, there are some broadcasting rules there are also i mean only a certain number of games especially in these knockout cups get televised and it has to do with the tv contracts they have um i mean also the the, the hmm. league cup is the league cup's a, a second tier knockout tournament uh you know that a club like arsenal will treat it as a youth cup sometimes um and play our, our, our young bench players sort of like we've done in, in the europa league as opposed to running out the, the senior team sure you get to the FA Cup. All of those games should be accessible, at least in the U.S. on ESPN Plus. They're usually they're not all necessarily televised easily in England. I, I don't want to speak too much on the broadcasting rules there because I don't know them very well. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, the short answer is absolutely nobody saw this game. From the sound of it, Arsenal actually played fairly well. I mean, deserve, deserved to lose. I know mean, Brighton took their chances. Uh, and 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 got a deserved win, but it, it's not as if you know three one means that Brighton you know thumped Arsenal were three times better than Arsenal. They were. It sounds like we played yeah. well, had some had some gaffs here and there, which you can. It's hard to necessarily tell from the highlight package, but the general sense was we didn't play poorly, but we didn't play particularly well. And and we could talk about this as well. As much as you want to win every game, this might not be the worst thing in the world for us to be out of this tournament,
0: right? If, yeah, if if we're going to lose, this was a game to do it. <laughs>
1: well, there's that. And also the thing with this knockout, it's a knockout tournament. So you win, you advance, and you keep going on. But as you go deeper and deeper into the tournament, those games were all going to be from really from late December onward. And our schedule is already going to be massively compressed because of the taking a month off of the World Cup. And plus, we're going to throw in the FA Cup, the knockout stages of the Europa League, we still have two Premier League games that we have to reschedule surrounding the for all the stuff surrounding uh, the death of the Queen. So right. not having additional games to squeeze into the schedule, it's not the worst thing in the world. Yes, you would love to win every game and love to win every trophy, but we have much bigger fish to fry. Uh, mm. Yeah, so it, nobody, and especially given nobody could saw it, it's hard to feel too bad about something that only existed really in theory. I can't prove the Carabao Cup was real this year.
0: <laughs> yeah, really. Also, I I did watch a highlights package. Also, I found something on on YouTube. There was a couple of videos when I went to look for it. I think it was later that day. It may have been the next day. Um, and my my only real question. Looking at that was who the heck was that goalie? I mean, you could see that one of the three goals that we gave up was due to a penalty caused by the goalie knocking over the, the player who was trying to score inside the penalty box. Um, who, who is this guy? He, it seemed like he kind of missed some saves that he possibly <laughs> should have gotten also.
1: Yeah, so that was that was Carl Hein. He is he is the third okay. string keeper. So you typically club will have three keepers. Your third string is generally yeah. a youth player, a very young player. He is I think twenty. Yeah, he's twenty years old. He okay. is from Estonia. Actually actually gets called up regularly to the Estonian national team, which okay, Estonia's Not very good, (laughs) but still, as a twenty-year-old to be playing regular, get regularly called up to your national team is quite impressive. And I I guess the only thing was confusing to me because I saw the same thing you did. Wait a minute, where what's going on? You know, typically that's a game that sort of uh, that second-tier cup or a cup like that would be started by Matt Turner, uh, you know, the the American, and who missed the last couple of Europa League games because of an injury, and and oh okay. so I was kind of, I was kind of confused what was going on. I looked it up, and and basically, Arteta was asked about, and he said, "I think he deserved the chance." So, I think that's, oh, okay. I, I think that's just him, Arteta, looking and saying he's put in the work. He's a good player. He's the first goalkeeper of the national team at his age, and I think that's something that is not usual. That's Arteta's comment. I think he just looks at it as an opportunity yeah. to reward a, a, a young guy who's otherwise not going to get to play at all to have an opportunity to go out mm-hmm. in the field and, and say, "Here you go." And yes, right. and, and
0: in, in a game that they could afford to lose, and you know, yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, Arteta will never say. It. I mean, the other half of this comment, he totally deserves right. his chance. He totally deserves his chance. And if I had to play tomorrow again, I would play him again because you only get experience when you've played football matches. Carl has that, and errors are part of football. So, right, yeah. yeah, he's twenty years old. You got to play him. Play, and apparently, Turner's healthy and fine, and he's been called up to the U.S., which we'll talk about later. But yeah, so it it doesn't mean anything matt turner's still fine everyone's fine it's just why not
0: right sure all right, well, I think that wraps it up for the the Carabao Cup, uh for our discussion and <laughs> and for Arsenal's involvement. Um moving on to the game that was yesterday as we record, uh, yesterday November 12th. This was at uh Wolverhampton Wanderers, which everyone calls Wolves. Uh this was a fun game to watch. Um the it, Arsenal was incredibly dominant. Um I I found myself (laughs) the the whole time just laughing like wolves couldn't hold on to the ball for more than five to six seconds. Like every time they got the ball, it was just stripped away from them or given away by them one way or another. It was it was uh, kind of (laughs) kind of funny.
1: Yes, they are. They are we, we're top of the table. They are bottom. They are currently the worst team in right. England. And it's not hard to see why. They are, I mean, they've dealed, dealt dealing with some injuries. They're missing some, especially uh, some offensive oh, players. Okay. But yeah, they're not very good. Uh, there's really no
0: other way well, to say that. Well, yeah, it's it. funny. When we, when we played Forest, they were at the bottom. And I guess they've picked up some points. <laughs> and now Wolves have supplanted them. So yeah. <laughs> yes. Um,
1: and there's the, it's, it's an interesting thing. So there is a... Uh, there's a general tradition that the team that is bottom of the league at Christmas uh, has all but on one occasion been relegated by the end of the season. The idea is by the time you get to Christmas, you're halfway right after the season. If you're in last place, you're going down. Um, yeah. And since, and since we should point out, because of the World Cup, our next game is the day after Christmas. And so that's Wolves right now. Now, there's still two-thirds of the season left to go. But yeah, Wolves Wolves needs a lot of work.
0: Oh, so when we return after World Cup, we're playing them again. That's our next game. No, our next our next game is uh, West Ham
1: on the twenty sixth. Uh, but we'll play one oh, okay. somewhere in the second half. But they are currently they will they there is no game before Christmas. The next game is the day after for everybody. So they are ah, on Christmas. I, I got it on You're, Christmas. Right. Yeah, they're they're the bottom. Right. They're, team on they Christmas are bottom
0: right of the game. league. Yep,
1: it's which All is right. weird <laughs> to say, of course, because Thanksgiving is still a week and a half away. But but also they're right. playing Christmas music on some of the radio stations here. So ugh, whatever.
0: Uh-huh. I know the day after Halloween the Christmas stuff comes out. <laughs> it is. But uh so so first question of the match uh it was in the 8th minute of play um there was there was a play that was kind of interesting so the um Wolves player i think i'm trying to remember what happened here now cuz my note was a little bit inadequate but um we it looks like committed a foul but then because wolves were offsides or playing after having been offsides it ended up not counting does that sound
1: yeah blessed? so wh- what we, happens wo- yeah. wolves played in and um yeah wolves played the ball in and uh saliba made a tackle on on the attacker which could could very well have been called a penalty it was not but as i as i saw that play it was called back because the play was offside so
0: right so it yeah. doesn't matter because any any foul pursuant to an offside play doesn't end up mattering.
1: The, the offside play over overrides it since the offside was first nothing after yep. that happened nothing after that counts that's how i understood what happened I, i've heard some people making noise about it i i had a bunch of things since normally we have a little bit more time i i usually get a little bit more post-game commentary from other sources to, especially for things like <laughs> right. that and, and but it's interesting um yeah, I, 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 after the game, after the game yesterday, I went on and, and was doing something else. And so I haven't seen a lot of the post game stuff. Yeah. I, so I, I haven't really heard a lot more about that. The, the, since I get from some comments is we may have gotten away with one a little bit there. I, you could have called that a penalty, but ah. I think, I think the offside supersedes it because they called offside. There's no foul because there's technically no play there.
0: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so, so just uh, kind of more of a comment, probably more than a question. But um, I did notice Adama Traori, which is also notable because there are two Traoris. I think this happened with another team where there was like two names that weren't particularly common to my ears that there were two of on the same team. It's just kind of funny how it works out that way. But um, but number 37, Adama Traori, uh playing for Wolves, I noticed was the most (laughs) well-built I guess player that I've seen so far he was very top heavy like he's clearly like focused a lot on working out his upper body that seems very unusual uh, for all the professional soccer I've seen um I I did notice that it did afford him at least some advantage when he was moving the ball like plays that might have possibly toppled over other players he just kind of brushed them off like he was uh one of my, one of my spider-man villains rhinos uh <laughs> like he was rhino like charging through or juggernaut or, or something one of these like massive <laughs> he, <laughs> massive he, people who just like it doesn't matter what happens <laughs> he, he has the physique of a rugby player he, he just he, he really yeah. doesn't look like he belongs out there
1: and that got a lot of comments as we we're looking at him I, I obviously can't repeat all of them you know for for language reasons, but yes, he is a, he is a well, he is a well-built man. He's a very, he's a very large person. Uh,
0: yeah. Right. I guess. Yeah. What, what you said sums up what I was feeling about, like he's playing the wrong sport. It looks like.
1: Yeah. yeah, I, Yes. he. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go ahead, pull up, pull up video of the game. They have a few shots of him directly. He is uh, he, 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 yeah, he's
0: a, he's a big dude. And it didn't seem like he was moving much slower than his peers either. Like he, he generally seemed to, cause you would think that that would be the main potential downside would be that you you're bulkier. So you move slower, but maybe you have more stability. He seemed, he seemed to get around fine. So that, uh, that's yeah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, at, the, at that, level, like he, he's, he knows how much weight he can put
1: on, or he's probably put on a certain amount of weight and sort of said, all right, if I put on any more, it'll start to affect my, my speed. And I, he's not, Mm-hmm. Traore is not a guy who's going to be known for being fast, but yes, he certainly needs to be able to move around and he's, he's certainly not the slow, some of the slower players I've I've ever seen. He can certainly move a little bit, but yeah, uh, yeah I mean, and a lot of it's just, gen- I mean, you know, that's a lot of that's going to be muscle. So he's still, he's not heavy in the way we would normally think about that. Again, all of yeah, he, of course, yeah, these are professional athletes. All of them have like sub 10% body fat. They're, they're probably incredible. Yeah, Of shape. course. Well, it's certainly <laughs> soccer players because of much running they do. Other sports, meh, I may ask oh, some yeah. questions, but...
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that was that was just uh, interesting to note. Um, one thing, so I mentioned uh, during the last uh, pickup game that I played in a few weeks back that uh, I was reminded of the practice of trying to get to the ball as much as you can when you're a keeper because you want to make the, if you imagine that the ball is shining, uh, a light toward the goal. You want to make the shadow as big as possible by getting closer to a light source. Um, That, (laughs) that my fear when uh, my teammate was pointing that out to me is what ended up happening that allowed for Arsenal's first goal, which is their keeper, the Wolves keeper came up to the ball, which was beyond the one post or maybe at the post or very slightly beyond it and did end up making a good save but then it wasn't clear and it was behind him and the entire goal was open. So um, Odegaard was able to get it in uh, with fairly little difficulty at that point. Um, I think he and Saka were battling for who could be the one to knock it in, but it was a pretty obvious goal at that point. So, yeah, I guess that's that's as I play it, something I need to keep in mind is balancing those two things, like well, close so- and making sure that the entire goal isn't left open.
1: Yeah, and that's actually that's actually not on the keeper in a sense the keeper's doing the right thing. You, at that in that position, you need to be able to trust your defenders. So your job as the mm-hmm. keeper is to stop is to stop the shot. So you go out and since he does the right thing, you go out to challenge the ball. And the idea of it, it, because what what Vieira does there is he squares it across. They cut they they cut the ball back across the box. Really you need to trust that your defenders will be that we'll get there before the attackers will and that's part of where what in in a sense the keeper did nothing wrong it's Jose Sa he does exactly right. what he's supposed to do but the, i mean Odegaard and Saka really together actually beat the Wolves defenders and they're the ones who get to the ball so it, it, i mean because what'll happen for you is as a keeper you're coming out if you suddenly start waiting for that pass and you start cheating over you open up the space on what they call the near side, and there's a little more space there on the post. And Vieira says, "Well, forget mm. the pass. I'll stick it in the. I'll stick it in the goal at close range." And so your job is right. to cut, is to cut off him, make him pass. Because mm. once he passes, it's now you're now into the box, and again, that's where chaos reigns. So the, the keeper's actually done the yeah. right thing there. I mean, I get, I certainly get from your perspective, right, that fear. Like, I, I, I don't want, I don't want someone to get in behind me. But you have to be able to trust that your defenders, your teammates, are mm-hmm. are bailing you out on that. And there's at least one instance where you saw, I saw the, um, you know, they the wolves came in, got a shot, and it, and it missed the goal. And Ramsdale immediately gets up and starts shouting at Arsenal players. Yes. and what he's and what he's doing there is yes. sort of sort of saying, hey, you didn't, you know, they shouldn't have taken that shot. You need to be in position. Fix what you're doing. Don't screw that up other vulgar things that we can't repeat here. I saw some (laughs) lip readers caught a few of them, what he was saying, but like, yeah, you can't. So that's, that's what you see there is he's telling his defenders, Hey, I need you to be in these places and you, you screwed that up. I shouldn't be forced to make that save or, or we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be thinking about how lucky they were the miss. They shouldn't have taken that shot. So that's, that's him in the community. And that's what you get to more as a keeper. You learn to start communicating with your defenders, making sure people are in the right positions. And it's, we, it's yep. easy to see when we're doing free kicks and everybody's lining up and you're positioning people but that sort of stuff is happening during the game too that communication.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I was going to point that out and ask you about that too because I've noticed on multiple occasions Ramsdale yelling at his defenders and I didn't know how much that's done by other keepers.
1: <laughs> it's it's done by a lot. I mean, Ramsdale's a really fiery guy I, whereas um uh, oh, the previous keeper, the German Bird Leno. Leno was was a little quieter, which is not a bad thing. Obviously, it's personality driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, y- y- you're out there. There are plenty of keepers who are out there, and sometimes it just comes to be about messaging. Not the message itself is going to be there, but how you're communicating it. I mean, there are some keepers who will say the same thing, but can kind of be jerks about it. But then again, you know, as the keeper, you're the one who gets you're the one who gets blamed every time a goal goes in.
0: Right, that's your stat that you're protecting. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I mean, you saw it. there was. I think in the in the documentary there, they Arsenal won the game, but they gave up a late goal and they cost Ramsdale. They call it a clean sheet or the shutout. So they won two yep. two two nothing. But Ramsdale goes back into the locker room and he just like sits dejected and lock <laughs> like, ah, come on, because he because as a keeper you really want that clean sheet and he didn't get it. So for a keeper, that's that's really important to have those have those opportunities and so and and as the keeper you're responsible for that you are there to help position the defenders and make sure that they're where you need them to be so that they're stopping chances but you also have a clear look at the ball and what's happening
0: yeah um my next question incidentally uh pertains to Ramsdale also this was in the 67th minute of play um and that's one particular time that I noted it but this is something I've seen that he does over and over again where he'll catch the ball and then he'll take an extra step afterwards in that 67th minute play it was around 66 10 on the game clock he caught it and then he like wrapped his arms around it he hugged it afterwards and i've seen other times if he catches it on his knees or something he will then fall on it and surround it on the ground um do you know why is is that a personality tick is there some rule that he's trying to pay closer adherence to or something no, I, I've seen that a bunch of times. I think it's just one of
1: those, I'm sure, and, and and this would be good to talk to, like, an actual keeper who really sort of gets that. I think a lot of it is just general security. Like, he's holding on tightly to the ball. I mean, theori- you'll never see it where, like, a, a player could theoretically come from behind and knock him and punch the ball out, and so that's sort of holding it right tight and really grabbing it. I don't, I mean, I, I think it's just one of those, to me, it always looks like one of those ticks that a lot of keepers have. Like, it doesn't really matter, it, you know, sort of, like we talked about sometimes they just when they just fall on the ball, you know they don't need to do that, yep. but it's there to help help them sometimes maybe it makes them feel more
0: secure um make sure they've well, got right, i didn't know if it. he was trying to yeah i didn't know if he was trying to stick to like the letter of some rule where under this circumstance then the other team can't try to knock it away from you although yeah like you said i, I can't imagine once you're holding it in your hands it would have to be a foul if some player came up and tried to knock it loose from you
1: yeah so, or it could yeah. just be you know that when you're holding it out like you're ready to throw it that's when you could it could slip and you drop it maybe so i i mean i i don't think mm-hmm. there's anything particularly like to me, I don't know. That there's anything particularly yeah. meaningful in it, but I I don't know. So it, yeah, I don't okay. I don't read too much into that.
0: Okay. And um, my <laughs> my last note was just kind of an amusing thing. This was around I don't know maybe 75, 76 minutes into the game. They put up the stat on the screen <laughs> that the Wolves are the only club. Or, I know they they actually say Wolves. They don't say the Wolves, but Wolves are the only club without a goal scored in the final 30 minutes in the Premier League this season. <laughs> it's just one of those things that's like, oh, well, that actually makes me feel a lot better uh, toward the end of this game, where I, I think we're already ahead 2-0 by that point. But yeah, that uh, yeah. it's just <laughs> that 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 second. I mean, obviously, we talked this 1-0. I mean,
1: something could go wrong. 2-0 Wolves was done. That game was over. I, Wolves have scored. Right. Uh, this is the more amazing stat. Wolves have scored eight goals this season.
0: Yeah, I
1: heard that. Eight. Yeah. I mean, Arsenal by comparison has 33.
0: Right. We we've given Yeah, up. our goal difference yeah. is more than double their total number of goals. We've <laughs> given up 11 goals total
1: this season. Yeah. Um which is which is tied for the lowest lowest in the league. So, yeah, they are they're they're bad. They are there's a reason a team like there's a reason you're in last place and that's why they can mm-hmm. they cannot score goals.
0: Yeah, I think more than anything else I was just amused that someone is keeping track of that <laughs> specific oh, yes. of a stat. It was just kind of funny to me.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean you start digging into it it's interesting they look at like moment periods of the game. You look the, and they're they look at periods of the game, particularly when teams are good. Like Arsenal's very good early on in games. Uh typically right at, right before, right after the half, they tend to do really beginning of halves. They tend to close well. Uh they I think they hmm. saw that the weakest part of the game Arsenal tends to play is around like the 65th to the to somewhere like the 60th to the 75th minute. That's the that's mm-hmm. the stretch of the game they tend to be the weakest weakest which is interesting because you also right in the middle of the second half which is also you'll notice Arteta usually makes subs around 70 minutes. Hmm
0: yeah, I he, mean that. So I think that's. <laughs> yeah, I
1: mean, and you know, people sort of yeah. complain about that. Oh, we need to do subs here. We need to do things differently. But it's one of those. You break it down that way and say, oh, okay, I can sort of see. That's clearly when we start to tire. Arteta knows that, and that's when he's prepared. You know that right. that he's prepared to make those changes. So.
0: Yeah, that actually reminds me. I I didn't make a note of it, but um, Shaka, do you know if he's okay? I, I heard I think around halftime they mentioned that it was. Illness. They actually use the word illness, not injury. Do you yes. know about that? Yes. So he, he was he he got sick on the field. um, And, and
1: apparently there was a, a, a bug going around. Uh, so this is so yeah. um, this is the quote from from Arteta. Uh, he wasn't feeling good at all. We had a few boys with some tummy issues. Is what he called them. Oh no! <laughs> I, yeah. So, and, I, and and the little bits and pieces I picked up since then, they're they're not sure if it's a bug going around the room or if it was maybe something some of the players ate pregame. Um, oh, boy. I, there's a couple of players were apparently feeling it. Uh, apparently, uh, I think they said uh, uh, Zinchenko apparently was feeling a little bit, which apparently he, I, you know, some some of the folks I was watching with, like he, they thought he didn't have a very good game. Um, I think I heard someone else they say Karen Tierney might have also, which is what part of why Tierney wasn't an option at various points off the bench. Uh, um, yeah. So, you know, so there's, yeah, there was apparently something <laughs> going around the room and, and Jaka, I mean, you know, Jaka is a guy who doesn't come off for any reason. So apparently what happened, what he actually yeah. got sick on the field and, they gave him Right, a few that minutes. was when they, his first
0: symptoms occurred. Apparently, yeah, yeah.
1: It was so they, they he called the train. I mean, he waved the trainer on, and you know they they gave him a few minutes, gave him some liquids. Uh, you know, he tried to see if he could go, and he uh, he obviously couldn't. I, so, um,
0: right, Ugh, to, to, yeah. you know,
1: I, on the one hand, obviously it's too bad, but at the same time, like, I mean, the real concern, of course, is is him going to the world cup and oh goodness is he injured he won't have time to get back no he's fine he's just sick he'll be he's probably he's probably feeling better already today so hopefully
0: yeah that's good that's good hopefully so was there anything else that you wanted to cover before we move on to uh world cup talk um well
1: i i guess we sort of talked about this a little bit um it, it, it it's interesting right that arsenal is off to arsenal's off to the best start they've ever had in the premier league and they yeah. they ran the stat. We saw a lot of these stats last week. You saw them even now. Teams that have roughly this many points at this stage of the season, I you know, I think they showed it la- after last week. Like I think it was eight of the nine teams that had that good of a start won the league. I think now we're mm-hmm. looking at we're looking at they they showed just the ones uh, at, who are fourteen games th- this many points at fourteen games in. All of them have won the league. So right. we are in the midst of we are we are a title contender, which everyone is a little nervous to say because it's been so long since we've really been in that in that weight class. Mm-hmm. I, I just saw that I, I, someone just posted this, and again, I don't know if it's really true, but just it, there is a sense of like the level we're dealing with here. Manchester City is off to its best start in five years. Newcastle's off to their best start in almost thirty years. Tottenham is off to their best start ever, and we are five points ahead of all of them at least yeah like we are no, we that's, are having that's abs- really something we are having an absurdly good season and yet and I know you sort of sense this from me I I imagine we're really hesitant to say arsenal are title contenders because there is of course the, the looming specter of Manchester City
0: well, right. I, I've gotten that sense from you and from the commentators also, which like they were talking about it uh, during this match in light of the five points clear of Manchester City. Right. Where, you know, yeah, you don't want to breathe too easy, but that's that's a good buffer. But you know, you never know when it comes to Man City or <laughs> whatever they were saying. Like, what is it about Manchester City that makes them so intimidating that everyone is really hesitant <laughs> to declare that the that Arsenal may be better than them this season? Well, the short answer is that they're really, really good. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's always yeah. really, it is really that simple. But like um, for over over what period of time? Like like forever, yeah. or in the last five to ten years?
1: Yeah. So honestly, for years, Manchester City was kind of a they were they were a club that made of the numbers. They were not a team that ever really did anything particularly noteworthy. In fact, they they were actually relegated. Um, I want to say they've been, they were relegated this century. Like, they were actually, they were playing. Wow. In the, <laughs> they were playing in the second division as recently as I think
0: 2002. Oh, okay. Um, oh, okay. Not, yeah. So you mean, so, okay. You mean since the turn of the century. Okay.
1: They were relegated after the 2001 season. Now they came, they were down for one year oh, okay. back up again. Uh, but in, uh, and I got to find the, uh, in the year uh somewhere in about uh, two, two what was it um somewhere in about the uh, about a 10 15 years ago um, no here we go in 2008 they were purchased by essentially the royal family of Abu Dhabi they are owned by huh. the the emirate uh, and and yeah. have a tremendous amount of money. So what hmm. they've essentially done is rebuilt their entire—I mean, they, they started out by buying a bunch of really good players, and they also rebuilt all of the, a lot of their infrastructure. So now they are essentially, you know, league-bestriding Goliaths. They have won—and I'm trying to pull up, you know, their their history here—they have won, I think, four out of the last five titles in the league. Oh, Okay and and it's not just even that they're winning them but they're doing so at at a with with, with records that are just sort of beyond what anyone else ha- has accomplished so so uh, this year uh they did, you know amazon did the the all or nothing documentary about about arsenal a couple they've done it a couple times in the premier league they did one uh, about the 2017 2018 manchester city team that won the league with a hundred points. Wow. They, 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 that's, I mean, no one has ever done that. And I, just, just compare this. So in yeah 2000, uh, yeah, 2003, 2004, Arsenal had, they were called the invincibles. They didn't lose a single game in the league. Yep. They finished the season uh, 26 wins, 12 draws. They had 90 points. Yeah. Manchester City had a hundred. The next year they won it again with ninety eight. Mm-hmm. That that season, that's pretty incredible. Yeah that that season, Liverpool had ninety seven points, which was the th- the third most in the history of the Premier League, and they finished in second. Yeah, I mean, and it, it is really just incredible how good they've been. It was about uh, twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen. I forget exactly when. Uh, they, they signed as their manager, Pep Guardiola, who managed at Barcelona, had turned them in a previous decade, had turned them into sort of the model club, uh, really for the way the sport, it, it, in a lot of ways, the way the sport is played now. Uh, and and he came over from Manchester City to Manchester City and has has turned them into this Goliath. Their, their, their roster is incredibly deep. I mean, you think about it, Gabriel Jesus and, and Zinchenko, who are critical players for us, didn't start every game for city. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, and in fact, they, they let Jesus leave. He's an ex. he was a great player for city. He's a great player for us. They let him leave so they could sign their, their current star player, Erling Holland, who is their the, the uh, leading scorer on the team. Uh, he, you know, we, we start talking about him. He's, he's, I, I gotta find the stat. Uh, he's, he scores a lot of goals and they, they do, they, they, <laughs> they're at plus 26 goal difference. They've scored 40 goals on the season. They're, they are
0: right. That, that was one yeah. thing I noticed in the tables, even though we're ahead of them in points that they're ahead of us in goal difference. I think we're at 23,
1: and, and I think, and they were at 26. Yeah, they're at plus 26. We're at plus 22. And it's really kind of incredible. We're even okay. that close. I mean, five nil against against forest was a, was a big help. Um, and them, them losing (laughs) to Brentford hilariously, which was also kind of fun. I mean, yeah, it, 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 they're, they're the lurking shadow and we still have to play them twice. Right. Um, the plus side to that, and thinking about the terms of the title race, the plus side to that is all we have to do is beat them once. And if we beat them once, even if we lose the other game, those results essentially cancel each other out. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. still, it, it just affords you, there's this lurking sense that you just have no margin for error. That any points you drop, yeah. even a draw, like, really hurts. Because if they, they'll probably win the next game, and then all of a sudden they picked up two points on you. And they're, they are just, they're mm-hmm. relentless. at Especially with the league, which, the league prizes consistency. In a knockout tournament, one game, anything can happen. But in the league, where it's just that constant game after game after game it's just hard to imagine i mean the, the liverpool team that beat them was insanely good liverpool won the title in in the covid season in 2020 and that team was incredibly good and it took mm. it took maybe the greatest liverpool team ever we talked about last year liverpool was literally maybe 90 minutes away from winning four major trophies they lost the title to city yeah they are so yeah Yes, they are the monster lurking. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that that's good to know. I, I can see where it comes from. So <laughs> cool. So let's talk about the World Cup uh, matches. I I think it looks like are starting in one week. So I guess uh, Arsenal has uh, and Arsenal's players have a week off before uh, any competition starts. So um what so what what should we look for? So it begins with a group stage like the UEFA Europa League competition.
1: Right. So there are 32 teams in the World Cup which have all qualified through various qualification tournaments that we touched a little bit on last week. Uh, there are 32 mm-hmm. teams, and they're divided into eight groups of four. They'll all play each other once, so you'll get every team that goes gets three games. Uh, the top two teams in each group will advance to a knockout stage, so you'll have a round of 16, and then it's single elimination. So the round of 16, the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and then the final, the, the championship. The winner, of course, gets the World Cup. Uh, so a, mm-hmm. a pretty straightforward tournament. The whole thing takes a month to play. The opening game will be on Sunday. Uh, So there's a week from today. We're recording, as we said, on on, uh, the 13th. The opening match will be on Sunday. The 20th, it'll be the host, Qatar, taking on Ecuador. And uh, so there are are 32 teams in there. There are 10 Arsenal players who have been called up to their national teams. uh, And I think that should be everything. I I don't think there's anyone. No one on the current roster is going to get called up for the teams that still have yet to announce uh so there are 10 America, okay. 10 10 arsenal players uh will be going to the world cup they have left arsenal at this point i assume and are probably on, they're on their way or in qatar uh meeting up with the national teams starting to go through their their practices and getting set for their first games
0: right right a lot of training to do in only a week or so to start meshing with uh, the, the new new teams new configurations exactly yeah exactly um I mean, do we do do we do we want do we want to name all 10 of them? Um, Why don't we do that in the context of what games are going to be coming up in that first week? I think that probably makes sense.
1: Yeah, sure. So, yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's that's basically the World Cup. Uh, It's it typically takes place in over June and July over the summer. But because they're playing in Qatar in the Middle East and the Middle East is disgustingly hot in the summer. Frankly, it's still hot. Uh, They're still trying to play. They can't Mm -hmm. really play games in the middle of the day. Uh, But they will be – they move the World Cup to November and December. And, uh, yeah, it it, it creates this kind of odd break in the middle of the European season, which European leagues are whining about. Uh, And, you know, and uh, the other Arsenal players, by the way, the players who are not going to the World Cup, uh, apparently get a week or two off. And then Arsenal will have a – they'll have a training camp of their own. I think they said they're going to Dubai where they'll go to Dubai yeah. and, and train. And I think they said they will also have a couple of uh, – have scheduled a couple of friendlies, so just exhibition games against other oh, okay. teams. Um, yeah, keep the
0: players active, yeah.
1: Right, yeah. You don't want to you don't want them sitting for a month because as you saw – I mean, the, the World Cup final is scheduled for uh, December 19th, and there will be a week – uh, December 19th uh, – no, uh, no, I'm sorry, the 18th is the Sunday, and then that's just the week before Christmas – and then the next day is Boxing Day when the Premier League comes back. So there is a week. And actually, for the teams that are still in the League Cup, they're actually going to play their next round of games is scheduled to be, I think, the, uh, right around the 21st, at the middle of that week after the finals. So hmm.
0: obviously, Arsenal doesn't have to worry about that. But Right. <laughs> so uh, on a practical level, what is the time difference between Qatar and the United States? Uh, it is, I believe, I want to say seven hours.
1: I believe they are. Uh, okay. So England and is si- England is six hours ahead of us. Ahead, right? Yep. So they, yeah, there's six hours, and especially now because daylight sa- we're both on daylight savings time or off daylight Savings. Right. I don't remember which ones? I do not remember which ones. Which, yeah, we're,
0: we're both off daylight savings now. Yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> Either way, we've we've passed day- we've passed the daylight savings day, which you know, hopefully, hopefully, God willing, they get rid of sooner rather than later. But anyway. <laughs> um let's see. Hold on a I, pull up. I, I wanna say they are they're either seven or eight hours a- uh, okay. ahead of us. Um so basically if you're looking at it from the perspective of watching the US, which is the team I'll be I'll be focusing on the most, uh Yeah, and I they, think I'll
0: do that with you, yeah.
1: Yeah, they are um the, the, if you're looking at it from the perspective of the U.S., all of our games are going to be at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Okay. And uh, let's see.
0: Right, because Playbox. they're playing so late in the day, even though it's like further ahead, they're playing really late in the day, so it's still not an early game for us. Okay,
1: counting by this, Qatar is eight hours. Yeah, eight hours ahead of us.
0: Right. They but were, you're, yeah, you're arid, saying they're playing late game. in the day to avoid peak heat, I guess, right? They'll play
1: earlier in the day and late in the day. So I think I think typically, yeah. I was looking at a schedule earlier. Like the earliest games for us will start at like 4 a.m. Um, Ooh, yeah, which which is early for us. Although I have to say, I remember uh, 2002, the World Cup was in Korea, and uh, the U.S.'s group games started at uh, I think 5 a.m., 3 a.m., and I think uh, the last one was at. Maybe six AM or or five thirty or something. So maybe it was at, maybe as late as yeah. seven. So actually we can tell the story. Actually, I believe I that's right. We were in Spanish together. I believe uh we played we played <laughs> Germany in the quarterfinals on the day of the Spanish Regents. Oh. <laughs> which you and I of course would have been in the okay. same room for
0: um right right although i was we, completely oblivious to anything about professional soccer at that point but of course of course <laughs> so we,
1: which well perhaps we can save that we can tell you that story in the world cup but basically what it, the point of that story really is 2002 was a very different world than 2022 in a lot of different ways i, can, I, <laughs> I we can tell that story we'll save that one for the for the world for during the world cup but yeah yeah
0: all right looking forward to it but yeah, so I think that's that's enough. So so the the summary that we need to know going into the group stage is the top two from our group move on. That's that's the deal. Correct. Okay. Cool. So yeah, so I think uh, yeah, it sounds like you and I will both be following uh, Team USA. Uh, the plan for Gooner U will be to record every two weeks during the World Cup break. So we are going to skip recording, uh, one week from today, and then we're going to come back, uh, roughly two weeks from today. And, uh, we'll have an episode that covers the first week of, uh, World Cup play. And then, uh, depending on how long that takes, whatever, uh, Arsenal topics, uh, we're able to cover. So, so that, uh, that'll be interesting.
1: It's the world, it's the world cup, man. It's, it's fun. It really is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to work out. Uh, My dad has started uh, following Arsenal uh, since we've started doing this podcast and stuff. And uh, I'm going to be visiting with uh, my family for Thanksgiving. And uh, I think he and I will probably watch at least uh, one or two world cup games together. So that'll be fun as you as you come down and visit
1: the great state of texas like you're know, 4 hours away from me so we'll still be remotely remote from each other but yeah <laughs> right
0: <laughs> not able to make it work that time that's all right we'll, we'll i do i somehow. do however
1: know since you're going to be in the so you are going to be in the dallas area as a random aside the uh, the us soccer hall of fame is actually located in frisco texas which is a dallas suburb oh yeah. I've been to Frisco. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's connected. It's connected to the stadium for FC Dallas, the MLS club. So I've, I've never been, it's, it's huh. really new. They only opened it a couple of years ago. It used to, used to be an to New York of all places, but they moved it to huh. uh, Frisco. So I, you know, that, that if you're looking for something to do that week, that might be an interesting one. I'd be very, <laughs> I'd be very curious to see that at some point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the next time that, uh, that we get together, uh, <laughs> visit that together. That'll do a Gooner U field trip. That'll be fun. <laughs> So uh, what is coming up as far as Arsenal players playing in the first week of World Cup? All right. So obviously this coming week is
1: is nothing because um, the, everybody's everybody's getting set. The tournament, we said, opens on yep. Sunday with uh, Qatar and Ecuador is the only game that's going to be played. And then so just for the first round of group games, this is going to be for, for Americans. This is the week of Thanksgiving. For the rest of the world, this is simply the fourth week in november uh but (laughs) on on monday the 21st uh team usa opens against wales and and by the way matt turner uh, of arsenal's backup keeper will be starting or i i strongly expect he will be the starter for the u.s against wales oh okay Uh, oh great also also that day uh bukayo saka ben white and aaron ramsdale and england who will take on iran who by the way those four teams are all in the same group so we'll all play each other so uh there's your just a little hint there's your black friday plans usa england (laughs) so get ready uh i expect saka to start uh ramsdale will probably be the backup keeper and ben white i ben white was a, a surprise inclusion to the england team but i expect him he'll probably play at some point during the tournament but i i would i don't expect him to start but it could be wrong so we'll see yeah. Uh so that's on Monday. On Tuesday, uh one game, uh William Saliba in France will take on Australia. France are the defending champs. Uh I think Saliba will play, uh but I'm not really sure quite where he fits in in France's lineup. Uh but he's there. On Wednesday, uh Tomiyasu, hopefully he's healthy, uh will play, will start and play for Japan against Germany. That's on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, we've got three games. Uh Granit Xhaka, hopefully resolve having resolved his tummy issues. <laughs> will play uh he he will captain Switzerland against Cameroon. Thomas Partey in hmm. Ghana will play Portugal and then uh Gabriel Jesus and Gabriel Martinelli when Brazil will take on Serbia. I expect Jesus to start. I would I expect Martinelli to be on the bench, but as always we say you never really know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so that actually leads me to one more World Cup question what is the pace like so it seems like there is one game for each of these teams in the first week um do we expect each team to have about one game per week and then you know as the field narrows that there are just fewer total games per week how does that usually go
1: so you'll end up playing a game tournaments are much more intensive than than the league so you'll typically play a game about every 4 days. The US is scheduled to play on the 21st, okay. the 25th, and the 29th. Ah, all right. So they so they'll move th- I mean it's a, it's a essentially it's a 4 week tournament. So they'll move through the group stage in about 2 weeks. Um, yeah, the last the, the group stage opens on November 20th and the last group games are December 2nd. And so the last yeah. 2 weeks is going to be the knockout stages and those will be about every 3 or 4 days and you'll you'll again it's all just right. it's a knockout tournament so you'll just go through and and you know the the pace works out pretty well um yeah the the winner the it, the teams that make it to the semifinals cuz they have the final they all, the losers of the semifinals also have a third place game the teams that make the semifinals will play 7 games
0: total okay cool Thanks for joining us at Gooner U. We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Go, go, USA.